Hello, my name is Mpo Mtsi, and I'm very excited today to be talking to Swaniso Ngumalo, who is our Chief Investment Officer at Old Mutual Investment Group. We're going to discuss, dissect, interrogate the turbulent, um, tumultuous 2023 that we just came out of. And then we're going to look forward to 2024, discuss this much-anticipated recession, and also just how Swaniso and team will navigate with our portfolios through quite hectic economic and political headwinds that we anticipate this year. How would you summarize this last year from an investment's perspective? As an investor, there are years where your resilience and your patience for what we aspire to do, which is actually long-term investing. Our resilience was tested in 2023 as a team. We started off the year, interest rates were still climbing across the world because inflation was still high. But as we got to the middle of the year, the questions about peaking rates and rates obviously coming off and potentially being stimulative for global economies, that starts being a debate. And the markets then started displaying quite a bit of volatility. Same time, we had a war that had been going on in the Ukraine. That war continued. And then um, near the end of the year, another new war started off, obviously, in the Middle East. Yeah, it was very, very difficult. In the fourth quarter, we started seeing some action again as the market started anticipating, I suppose, a future of lower rates. And so very volatile year, very difficult year, a year that tested our conviction in our call, but also tested our ability to be resilient in managing clients' money. Mm, absolutely. That resilience is important. You've mentioned a few examples of the evidence that led to OMEG and many other managers thinking about the recession that is likely to come or threatening for quite some time. Now, do you still think this recession is going to emerge? And if so, how is that going to influence how you're constructing portfolios? Mm. So, Paul, the way we look at, first of all, before you talk about the actual positioning, you want to talk about how you see the world. So as an investment team, we see the world in two prisms. We talk about them in theme and price. Um, price is the value you pay for the asset, but the theme is actually, it's the macro, the industry, the company, or ESG related drivers of the market that drive the profitability. And so when we started off the year, we started off the year having looked back and said, hey, interest rates have risen at some of the fastest pace we've had in four decades. Generally, that kind of causes a dramatic slowdown. It certainly decreases profitability. And in anticipation of that, and also we saw bond deals getting inverted, which is a very powerful sign about the U, especially in the US, saying, hey, there's a risk of a recession here. And at least because of how tight the market has become, actually there is a a real risk of a recession and so therefore proceed but with caution in terms of investing that think more about the return off capital than the return on capital so think more about protecting your clients capital from downside than obviously thinking about going on the offense and actually aspiring to really grow your clients capital and so what we did then we positioned our portfolios defensively our multi-asset funds had less equities um, than, than, than our benchmarks and our peers. They especially had less U.S. equities because we're really worried about U.S. equities. But we're going to talk about that a little bit later. They had more bonds because in fixed income, we thought the yields were highly attractive, especially in South African bonds and obviously also in offshore bonds. And so even in the equities that we then did select, 
we had a preference for names that would prove resilient in tough times. And so our thinking was largely driven by caution, saying, be careful, profits are gonna slow down, economies are gonna slow down, it might lead to a recession, and if that happens, protect clients' capital and make sure you've got the capital to deploy at cheaper prices. Now, Sponi, so please take us into your confidence. And I like that you repeatedly mentioned resilience and especially caution. So, you know, complete caution can also be seen to be quite detrimental. Um, and as OMIG, we took a very cautious position quite early on with the evidence we were seeing around the recession, like you've already mentioned. Now, how has that impacted our performance? And also, would you say that being so cautious right now is still the best defense? So, a very good question. I mean, I think... Obviously, when we look at our performance last year, our performance was disappointing. When we look at the numbers, we're very competitive, we're very driven, we want to win for clients. We want to obviously drive returns that clients look at and say, wow, these guys did an amazing job. Last year was not that year. Our performance, in all honesty, was largely disappointing. Now, why was that the case? Well, actually, markets did better than we anticipated. And where did that come from? Well, that came from the fact that in COVID times, what actually happened, there was a lot of stimulus. So yes, it was in the developed world, people were actually given checks to spend. And so people had what was called excess savings. They had a lot of money that even last year enabled them to be far more resilient than actually what we had bargained for. The other side of it is that if we look at the global markets, especially the US market, which is the market we anticipated having a lot more pressure, actually our thesis kind of played out there except there were these seven companies called the Magnificent Seven that really did an amazing job in terms of the market. And so the question is, is that then still sustainable? And I think there are question marks there because we believe that the expectations on those companies, which now make up about 30% of the index, actually cannot just continue in the same way. So the expectations are very high. So we're disappointed about what we've delivered to clients. I think we must be honest about that. But when we sit back and we look at the data, even now, we're still saying, hey, interest rates operate with a lag. So interest rates rise, but it takes a while for them to actually bear themselves in consumers' wallets. Um, and so we are still saying, hey, there is a risk of a recession. There is a risk here of a material slowdown. But even not so, even if that doesn't happen, the starting point of prices, what people are paying for assets today, actually anticipates interest rate cuts that are far more aggressive than we actually even think is there. And so either way, we are still content and we haven't materially changed our cautious positioning. We just think that sometimes in investing, you've got to take a cautious view and you've got to wait for the opportunity where the prices that you're buying assets at are attractive. The only place we're finding really attractive prices actually is in South Africa and in China. There, we are starting to buy the fringes. Mm. Thank you for your honesty and the detail that you've provided. And let's zoom into how the portfolios have performed perhaps in this last quarter. Um, so what were some of the key market movements that impacted the performance? Yeah. So I'm going to start with our multi-asset funds, and I'll go to our equity funds, and then I'll go to our global funds. In our multi-asset funds, our multi-asset funds were second quartile in the quarter. Now, considering what I'd said, that actually in the, in the final quarter of 2023, because Jerome Powell, chairman of the Federal Reserve Bank, came out and started talking about the potential pivot in terms of, hey, we could be cutting rates or rates were certainly peaking, the market had a very big rally come the end of the year. 
Now remember, we don't have that much equity. We are conservatively positioned. For us to come second quartile, actually given our defensive stance, actually our multi-asset funds, I think that that's, that's, that's a reasonable outcome. Our equity funds um, had a third quartile performance. That wasn't that strong. So what happened there? When we look into the details of what happened in our equity funds, actually we find that there were a few very, very big movements in the last quarter. In fact, especially in some really large shares. So we have an underweight in mining shares. Obviously, if you're expecting a slowdown, uh, mining companies don't do well in slowdowns, in economic slowdowns. Especially we're expecting China not to really stimulate and drive commodity prices. Well, that kind of paid off. We saw Anglo-American report um, some production issues, and, and that actually came off quite materially. We saw gold. So we hold, we're underweight um, um, the benchmark in gold, but we hold more than most of our competitors and our peers. And actually, that worked well, but gold ran quite materially um, in the last, and, and, and that was good um, for clients. And, and so and the other thing was Capitec had had a really rough year and that came up and ran materially. We didn't have as much Capitec. And so underweight resources, that kind of paid off in the final quarter on behalf of us. But we had where our performance really was hurt was in the more defensive names. And especially two of them there, we have quite a lot of those because, again, of our cautious stance. The first one was British American Tobacco. British American Tobacco did not do well. Um, and obviously, the market is struggling to digest what would this company's earnings become in the future, um, as obviously there's a transition in terms of, of, of tobacco use. But we're still fairly confident in British American Tobacco. We think that you are paying a very attractive multiple with a very attractive dividend yield into the future. And the future worries are actually, we believe, are discounted in the price. The second one that had a material um, one-day drop-off, which also hurt our performance, um, and is actually recovering now in January, um, was NASPES, the biggest share in our index. The Chinese regulator came out once more and said, hey, we need to regulate gaming. The market did not like that because gaming is a material part of NASPES um, income. And so we saw that come off quite materially, and that is a share that we own quite a bit of. And so we have seen the regulator, I suppose, as we've started the new year, back off a little bit, and we've seen the share then start recovering, and us then starting to recover that performance. So multi-asset funds, we had less equity, and again, so performance was second quartile. So we're like, okay, that, given our caution, that is okay. Equity ran, we just managed to hold on. Um, if our equity funds, we had a few big shares that actually really impacted us in the quarter. And most of them then, it comes from Sasol, British American Tobacco, and Naspers. Those were the big ones that really um, impacted our performance. And we ended up third quarter. We're not happy with that. And then um, what was really good, given the market ran, um, our global fund, Global Managed Alpha, that fund, actually had a very great recovery. It did not hold um, the Magnificent Seven, but actually it participated in that global rally. And that was a top quartile performer in the last quarter. Very pleasing. And so globally, I think we did okay. Locally, um, in, in the fundamental equity space, there's room for improvement. Um, in the multi-asset space, I think we are pleased with that. Absolutely. That, that is worth a lot of praise, definitely. So now looking forward to 2024, if you had a crystal ball, tell me who would you say are going to be the winners and the losers of this year? And looking at specific sectors, where do we expect some really good returns? Where do we think it's bottomed out and it can only get better? Yeah. On this one, I'm going to talk about expectations, Paul, because share prices 
are a reflection of expectations. So for us, it's always good to reflect and say, hey, what is implied by the market? So if we look at the, say, MSCI US market, so that market on a PE basis is trading at about 19.6% as we stand today. So 19.6%, it's on the fairly high side of it after especially a strong year last year. And its earnings expectations for 2024 are about 11%. Cool. So that's 19.6%, 11% earnings expectation. If we come back to South Africa and say South Africa's had a rough time. So South African market, the same index for South Africa, is trading at about 9.3%. The earnings expectation are about 9. So it's either you go and pay close to 20 times multiple for US earnings that are probably in a very thin band of companies and you get 11% growth in earnings and profitability, or you are paying nine times to get 9%. A 2% differential, you pay more than double the multiple. For us, that says, hey, the expectations are high in America. Their expectations are very low in South Africa. Now, South Africa's got lots of issues and lots of questions, but the market seems to have priced that. It has priced America very high. It has priced South Africa. So therefore, for us, buying then South African banks and South African retailers. Because if we say, hey, interest rates might have peaked, that is going to produce something. And also we've started seeing some of the retailers show us their numbers, report how spending was in December. And Paul, those numbers are good. We're seeing share prices rise materially. We had gone overweight those. And so for us, actually, where are the expectations low in South Africa? Where is what is attractive to us? South Africa is become very attractive in terms of us buying assets that we think are going to. Where are we concerned? We're concerned in the US. Because again, seven companies drove the whole market. If those seven companies have a little bit of a wobble, that is going to have a material impact. And so for us, we're like, oh, be cautious there. The market is too excited. Yes, AI is good, but you're paying up for it. Mm. And, you know, the two countries you speak of now being South Africa and the U.S., I'm going to touch a little bit more on them. But when anyone says South Africa and U.S. this year, we're thinking elections. We're thinking all the political risk this year. We have more than 50 countries having their elections this year. So you can't ignore that. And, and that obviously factors into what you're thinking about with your investments. So in this heavy election year, how is this political landscape impacting our investments? Yeah. And so with politics... This is a, is, a, is, a, is a particularly interesting one because in the short term, politics cause a lot of noise. It's a lot of discussion. If this happens, then this. If that happens, then this. And so actually in the short term, there's very little we can do in terms of saying, hey, what's the impact of another Trump president? What happens if the coalitions in South Africa? Can there be coalitions? These answers are wonderful to analyze. But actually at the end of the day, from a long-term investor's perspective, they aren't that material. So whether Trump is in office or is not, does that change the profitability of, say, the American companies? Yes, he'll put some laws in there, but actually companies, well, share prices follow earnings over the long term. But actually, you find that that doesn't change that much. South Africa has got a rugged political history. And yet, we have built some phenomenal companies that have grown profitability, survived, and continue to grow profitability. So our job, actually, in investing, worry less about the noise of the politics. It will be noisy. It will be all over the show. 
but actually pay more attention to the assets you're buying, the price you're paying for them, and the underlying, the underlying drivers of those assets. So and one of the things, that, uh, one of the shares that we own, especially in large amounts, take Standard Bank, for instance. Standard Bank did exceptionally well last year. Why? Standard Bank has a material um, business that sits in Africa. And actually, that business did extremely well in the volatility uh, because it's driven by all this trading that is happening, given the volatility. And so for us, analyzing Standard Bank, there are lots of political risks. It operates in many African countries, and yet the earnings showed up, and the earnings showed up materially, and us being owners allowed our clients to benefit from that company. So focus on the company's strength, focus on the company's fundamentals. Don't get distracted um, by the noise of politics. Thank you, Sponisa. I think your, your insights were really, really valuable. And I think what's really come out is, is that cautious stance, being resilient, and just that measured approach that's going to ensure that we can weather these storms. And I think what's important is that even if you're not talking investments, it's clear that with careful planning and sound strategies, that is the only way we will get through a, lot, a very tumultuous year ahead. Thank you.